Thank you for joining us. For your encouragement, we bring to you this biblical sermon from Dr. Charlie Dates, preached at the Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago. We hope that it leaves you refreshed and inspired. If you're ever in Chicago on a Sunday, we'd love to have you in worship with us. Join now. This message already in progress. Genesis chapter 32. Thank you so much, Pop Davis, and to all of uh, you from the Tuskegee Next uh, program and Tyler. Thank all of you for being here today. I want to start a new series of sermons. This month, because, uh, you know, I tell you all all the time, and, and it is the truth, that the Bible is not just a book we read. It is a book that is reading us. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it, I. When Jeremiah is crying out to the Lord, talking about the children of Israel, it's as if his own heart is broken so that he can have a ministry of empathy. And um, I feel like this sermon series we're starting today is probably part of my story. I don't know how many of you have ever felt broken in life, shocked by your own thoughts, taken by the trauma of stuff that happened to you you didn't do to yourself when you got older you came to see man that happened to me and that affected me and then maybe for some of you you feel like that has put you at a disadvantage in life if you haven't maybe you're just not psychologically honest but I want to run into a character of scripture today and some over the coming weeks to ride along that thing, to say to you, you may be broken, but you're more blessed than you are broken. You are more blessed than you are burdened. And so I, I don't know that I need all 1,000 of y'all today to get with me, but I just need the honest people in church today uh, who be willing to say, I can identify, to say amen every now and then. Y'all got it? All right, Genesis chapter 32. I want to begin reading at verse 22. The text says, Now he arose that same night and took his two wives and his two maids and his 11 children and crossed the fort of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and he sent across whatever he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men. Here's the weird line, church. And have prevailed. How do you fight with God and win? Then Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. 
So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my face, yet my life rather, has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Y'all see him limping? Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh and the sinew of the hip. This morning, I want to tag this text in our exchange, living with a limp. You may be seated. I want to talk from the thought, living with a limp. Gracious God in heaven, we do thank you and praise you for Jesus Christ, our Savior, for the help and the hope that is ours in his name. I do ask you now to grant me clarity of mind, concision of speech, and conviction of heart that I may in this moment tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There is a Japanese art in forming pottery that makes a marred, destroyed vessel a more precious, expensive, and in some ways priceless vessel. It's called Kintsugi. I want you to look at an image of one of them up on the screen behind me. That word Kintsugi is roughly translated <laughs> golden injury. You see this? These are vases that have been broken and put back together again by a master potter. But they are not simply glued back together, church. At the place of breakage, the potter takes lacquer, dusts it, and mixes it with powdered gold, silver, platinum to form together an injury a destroyed, broken vessel to make it not just an object of beauty because it's all together, but really to point to the fact that its beauty comes from its breakage. Its beauty comes from its imperfections. And that these imperfections are something to celebrate, not something to hide. I raise it this morning as best I can because I'm convinced that a lot of us are trying to hide our imperfections or to run from our imperfections. We sense and feel the pull of something that's not quite right. And rather than experiencing God's radical transformation in our lives, we simply contour our personalities and we present to other people as something we are not. But friends, I want to submit to you that you ain't fooling nobody. Everybody know you got wounds. Everybody knows that you are broken. People can tell from the way you talk something ain't quite right with you. And you think you got everybody fooled except for yourself. And here is the good news this text that I'm preaching to you today. God pours his life through your cracks. He fashions his beauty through your brokenness. 
God will sometimes break you himself so as to add meaning to the brokenness of your life. And if you do not hear what I am saying, if you do not receive, if you cannot comprehend what I'm putting in front of you today, life will seem like a continuing apprenticeship to sorrow. It will feel like an ongoing, repeated melody of pain. But if you can embrace what we learn from the story of Jacob, then you, friend, can find a new you for the new year. Here we come to this old story. Haven't you read it before? Yeah, I have. Thank you for the 15 people in here who said, yeah. I, it, it's an old story with an old character along the lines of an old narrative. This year, I figured we would bring our old selves to meet this old man in this old story to leave with a new update from heaven. His name is Jacob. He's a curious personality. Typically, I think every, every analysis of Jacob that I've ever conducted, I start with Jacob, but, but I want to practice a little bit of individuation if I can here. Jacob comes from a people. I mean, listen, y'all, Jacob is the son of of Abraham. Oh, he's the grandson of Abraham. I, I don't know if that matters to you, but his grandfather is a spiritual superhero. I mean, even right now, the conflicts going on in Israel and Gaza between the Palestinians, really Hamas and Israel, stem to Father Abraham. Three of the world's major religions, as it were, trace their roots back to him. Abraham is a superstar. His grandfather is Abraham, but his father is less interesting, less brilliant. His father is boring. His name is Isaac. I mean, how does a daring, debonair father have such a boring son? You think about it, you read it on the pages of Scripture, nothing about Isaac's life excites us. And I wonder if Isaac himself is carrying a bit of trauma after having almost been sacrificed. I mean, wouldn't you create a little distance between you and God? If your daddy laid you on the altar and raised a knife over your head, Isaac seems to retreat, doesn't he? He almost seems to not have just a closer walk with thee. But Isaac's wife, Rebecca, oh, she is as spiritually curious and engaging as Abraham. God visits her while she's pregnant. She has twins in her womb. No, not just two boys, two nations. And man, they are warring in that room. Come on here, sisters. I mean, birth pains are enough. Carrying a child, depleting you of your energy is enough. But to have two of them jokers in there fighting, tussling. But she gets a word from God. Hey, listen, the, the elder's going to serve the younger. And the younger's going to rule over the elder. And Quite like a good mama, say this with all due respect, quite like a good mama, she can't help herself but to try to help God make happen what God has already promised. So you get the feeling that Jacob becomes the center of his mama's world. Watch it now, you mamas who make one child the center over another. She, she picks Jacob over Esau, and no wonder Jacob grows up 
thinking he's the center of the world. His mama made him the center of her world. But at least she had motivation to do it, right? Wrong. This kind of parenting strategy does not work. But Jacob shows up to be maybe just as curious and even just as dynamic as his grandfather. I mean, when we meet Jacob, he's a man on the run, isn't he, church? Yeah, he's running out of that womb. He comes out of the womb holding on to the heel of his brother as if to say, I can't believe you beat me out of this here womb. He's on the run stealing his brother's birthright. He's on the run when he tricks his father to give him this uh, blessing that is a once-in-a-lifetime blessing. He's then on the run again from Esau who pledges and vows to kill him. And then he's on the run to find a beautiful woman. And he gets tricked himself. And he marries the not-so-attractive one. Be careful. He marries the not-so-attractive one first. And then he's on the run to marry the more attractive one. And then all of that falls apart on him and he ends up tricking his uncle and now he's on the run again. On the run, on the run, on the run, on the run. I want to pause to say to some of us, isn't it true that we've been living our lives on the run too? Some of you, you don't slow down. You're always on the go. You're, you're always coming here. There's some of you young people who moved to Chicago from some other city chasing some career decision or some vocation. You hadn't had a season of life to sit down yet on the run, on the run, on the run. Chasing this opportunity, chasing this money, chasing the next goal. You're so much on the run that you haven't even sat down to pay attention to who you are. Going, going, gone. Jacob's life is marked by strife too, isn't it? I mean, Jacob strikes me as the introverted one. Esau is the more extroverted one. Esau really seems to have better character mm, than Jacob does. Jacob liked to hang around his mama's tent, liked to hold on to her apron. Esau was the outdoorsy type, woodsman, chiseled, bronze, strong, like Pastor Jamal with hair. just looked like he could handle anything. Jacob sat home, introverted, manicured, watching ESPN. Left to his own imaginations, creating his own fantasies. Oh, I know I'm telling the truth because one day Esau comes in and he's exhausted and, and he's hungry and he's been on a multi-day hunting trip that has turned up nothing and, and there Jacob is in the kitchen making some lentil soup. And Esau says to me, hey man, hey man, give me some. And, and Jacob says, ah, not so fast. I wish you wouldn't sanitize your heroes in scripture. I, I, I wish you would not sanitize the people you read. These people are messed up. They they are psychologically traumatizing. This, this is a guy who's about to trick his brother, his brother, out of his birthright. Says, you, you that hungry? Sell me your birthright. And Esau impetuously says, what is it worth to me? I mean, hey, if I die, it ain't going to be worth anything. Mm. And there, Jacob fulfills his fantasy. He wants power to run the family. But little does Jacob know that God wants for Jacob even more 
than what Jacob wants for himself. Because a lot of us in our imagination and in our fantasies create these lives in our head that we never tell anybody about, but God sees it. And what God sees and is saying to you is, I actually want more for you than you want for you. But if you will trust me to get it my way, then you don't have to sleep around to get it. You don't have to manipulate to get it. You don't have to be exhausted to achieve it. Friend, I don't know about you, but there is in us, especially the people of the chocolate hue, raised to come against the challenges, raised to be a half step quicker, raised to be better than those around us. There is in us an aggressive ambition that has to be measured and checked so that we can come to see, no, God really wants something for you more than you want it for yourself. Am I preaching to anybody here today? You're tired of having to pull strings, but that's what you're used to. You're used to making things happen on your own. And here is that manicured Jacob now getting what he wants. And then he goes on the run. He's running, trying to find himself. And one day his mama comes up with a plan. Your daddy's about to die. I, I heard him say he's going to give the blessing to your older brother. But I'm going to prepare his favorite meal. And once you put on some of your brother's clothes and listen to Jacob's protest, it's really selfish. He doesn't say, hold on, mom, that's not a good idea. We shouldn't trick dad. He goes, but mom, he's going to know it's not me. And she says, don't worry about none of that. I got some of Esau's cologne. We'll spread on you. Wear some of his clothes. You'll be all right. There he goes in and lies to his dad, gets the family blessing, and runs off. He's no punk, however. He may be manicured, but he ain't soft. He runs into the most beautiful woman he's ever seen, and I just want to pause parenthetically to say, that can happen to you, bruh. You can run into beauty you've never seen before. You think you've seen it, and then you meet somebody one day. And they intrigue you and they grab you. And before you know it, even in your manicured, relaxed state, you become Herculean. Do y'all see Jacob? If you read the story, you know what I'm talking about. Raising the stone, which took multiple men up off the well, flexing to say to Rachel, I ain't never met nobody like you. And you ain't never met nobody like me. I wish I had a church in here today. He loses himself. He loses himself to the point where he goes into a deal where he has to work seven years of hard labor to win her. She must have been fine. Aside from the fact that the Bible says that she was beautiful above form and face. And the Bible say you beautiful the form and face. I digress. And so now here is, here is Jacob. The hustler being hustled, the trickster being tricked, the shyster being manipulated. And he grows a family and a life until one day he can't keep pace with that life. Running from his uncle Laban, now coming to the point to go back to Canaan where God has sent him, there is a problem. Jacob knows that on the other side of this journey is Esau the brother he has manipulated. But he knows behind him is his uncle Laban, 
the man he has manipulated. And now Jacob has to develop a strategy. And when we meet him in Genesis chapter 32, he's taking a nap between two burned bridges. He has gathered his family and sent them across the ford of the Jabbok. This is a geographical extremity church. It's a tributary to the Jordan, some 30 feet wide, deeper than the Jordan itself. He is treading water, moving his two wives and his 11 children and his handmaids and everybody across the Jabbok. And he gets them safely over to the other side. But Jacob needs some time by himself. And so he goes over back to the other side of the Jabbok. Do you see him? No, he's been treading water and moving his family across the fort. Do you see him? He is wet. He is tired. He is exhausted. But he's emotionally fatigued. And he pauses to lay his head on a pillow in the midnight sky. Alone. Alone. Alone with himself. Wet with his frustrations. The, the, the ghost of the past dancing on the canvas of his mind. Alone. And in that moment, an unidentified assailant grabs him, picks him up, and throws him to the ground. Oh, what would you have done? I'm amazed at preaching this. Some of y'all looking at me like this is normal. Let somebody grab you in the middle of the night. That you didn't know what was it. Do you know what would come out of your mouth? I can tell you this. It would not be holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. Provided that you could get it out of your mouth without using other words, you might say something like, what the heavens is going on here? Friends, listen to me. Sometimes God will wait to do his best work in your life until you are alone say this to a generation that always has AirPods in their ears, always these AirPod Maxes. We are always on social media, always turning on the TV, always looking at somebody else's life, always listening to something, always watching something, always talking. Well, friends, at some point in your life, the best thing that happens, happens when you get by yourself. The best artwork that has ever been painted has been painted when an artist was by himself. The best story that has ever been written has been written when a person was by themselves. And you don't even come to know yourself until you get by yourself. And here are these two scenes that I want to unpack, and I, I'm in my seat today. One's a silent scene, and one's a spoken scene. One, one is a scene where God prevails upon Jacob. He grabs Jacob, and there they are kicking up dust. But notice now what Jacob does in this fight. He starts to fight back. And in, in other words, Jacob says, you're not just going to disrupt my life and I just let you walk off. He, he wants to hold on to this unidentified assailant. Do you see Jacob fighting? At some point, Jacob recognizes that this unidentified assailant is stronger than him, mightier than him. And so what he starts to do is to simply hold on to him. This is instructive because the only way you fight God is to hold on to God. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Jacob doesn't even know that this is God, but I want to tell you, God wants to linger in your life, but you don't want to hold on to him when he comes to visit you. 
sometimes God comes to visit us and we're so busy doing something else, we push the devotional aside. We close the Bible. We mute the sermon in our minds. And here it is, even right now, God is knocking at the door of your heart, but your mind is somewhere else. And friends, I want to submit to you that just like on the road to Emmaus, Jesus wants to hang out with you, but you got to tell him, I got time for you. This is no WWF wrestling either. I don't know if y'all know what it used to be the Worldwide Federation. It became WWE. Uh, they were my favorite wrestlers back in the day. Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, Mean Jane, and, and uh, Dusty the American Dream. They, they would be in there fighting choreographed fights. Ain't a drop of sweat to be found nowhere. Just a bunch of overgrown old men, middle-aged men with body oil, slamming one another fakely to the ground. That ain't what this is. No, the Hebrew word in the text means that they were kicking up dust. They, they were actually fighting. And watch this. It's taking everything that Jacob has because when you meet with God, church, it's going to take everything that you have. I, I wish, I wish that I could preach to y'all the easier way sometimes. I wish that I could say to you, if you go with God, God's not going to demand all of you. I, I wish I could tell you, you could keep God and your sin at the same time. I wish that I could tell you, you could have the pleasure of God and the pleasure of people at the same time. But let me tell you, anybody who struggles and wrestles with God comes to find out that you cannot hold on to all of the other stuff you enjoy at the same time you're trying to hold on to God. Somebody is going to win out and the will of God is always stronger than your will. And maybe this is why part of my own frustration, when God wants to do something in your life, as much as you want to win, you will never win until you lose. Are y'all listening to me here today? And God is at war with Jacob. He wants something from Jacob, but he's got to defeat Jacob's self-reliance. He's got to defeat Jacob's self-centeredness. He, he's got to defeat Jacob's egocentricity. He knows that Jacob thinks the world of himself. But he says, Jacob, if you're going to lead your family, we got to get all of this stuff out. Now, friends, I want to say to you, we're fasting. We're praying. Some of y'all are. Some of y'all forgot. It's okay. You can start today. We fast in 21 days. Fruit and veggies basically is all we're doing. And it's hard. But I want to say one of the reasons, one of the reasons you need to do this is because God is trying to get some stuff out of you as much as he's trying to get some stuff in you. And it's going to cost you everything. Here he is holding on to God. He doesn't know his God. We find out in the post-fight interview that it's the pre-incarnate Jesus the Christ. Jacob is wrestling with God, and God beats Jacob. That's the silent scene. But the spoken scene is when Jacob realizes this is some kind of power. And so... So the one he's fighting says, hey, man, the sun is about to peak up on the horizon, and I can't be caught in these parts. When the sun comes up, you got to let me go. Oh, help me, God. He, he says, you got to let me go, man. Let, let me go. Let 
me go. Jacob says, no, I can't let you go. I wish you could see this. If, if your imagination is as vivid as mine, you can see Jacob like one of my kids holding on to my legs while I'm trying to get out. I got to go. No, I'm not going to let you go. And listen to what Jacob says. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. In other words, I didn't come this far with you to go home with nothing. I wish I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. I didn't been through too much hell and high water. I didn't put up with too much stuff. I've been through too many dark nights. I cannot let you go until you make meaning of my life and my suffering. I need to know what is all of this about. And until you tell me, I'm not going to let you. Is there anybody here today that's ever been through something and you waiting on answers and you saying to God, I'm not going to let you go until you tell me why this happened in the first place. I want to know. I want to know because you're too kind to be mean. I want to know because everything I've ever learned about you says you care about me. I want to know why did this happen and what are you going to do about it? So God breaks him. Friends, God is not out to destroy you. God is out to develop you. God is not out to let the stuff that happened to you take you down, but God is shaping you and making you and reforming you and changing you so that one day when you stand up, you'll be worth more broken than you were put together. I want God, if you're going to break me, put me back together again. Let me go. Let me go, church. Let me go, church. I got to go. I... But I want to tell you something. The oak tree is inside the acorn. You cannot see the tree, but it's in there. And God has but one way to get the potential in you unlocked out of you. You don't see it, but he will break you and split you open so that when you grow, the world will get shade from your branches. I gotta go. I gotta go. That, that horticultural thing didn't do nothing for some of y'all. My buddy Terrence is here, Matt is here, and sometimes we play golf. I don't know if Tim is here. We play golf before. My golf game leaves a little something to be desired. Listen to me. But I discovered something, Terrence, with this golf ball. Do you know the golf ball has dents in it? Do you know it was not made with dents? That the golf ball originally was smooth, but when people dented it, they threw it away. Until one day, a man was collecting dented golf balls. 
and he was just putting them in a bucket in his garage. And he decided, I'll go out and I'll hit these dented golf balls. And you know what he discovered? That the golf ball flies farther, faster, higher with dents in it than it does put together. I don't even have time to give it all to y'all, but I wish you heard what I just said. That if you know you're broken, it's okay, you're gone. Because God can do more with you when you're broken. I may be broken, but I'm blessed. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message by Dr. Charlie Dates, Senior Pastor of the Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago. For more information about our church, visit ProgressiveChicago.org. Progress is yours through the gospel of Jesus Christ.